Seven footers gang, what is going on? You know who it is, Gerard and Jenna back here for another week of association chit chat and you girls rocking her Knicks hat today. <laughs> you're bugging like you Knicks Knicks Nets play tonight. So you're like, let me put on my Knicks hat to show my support for the team from Gotham. I mean, the team from Gotham who benched Kemba Walker. We'll get to that later. I mean You know how I feel <laughs> about my future. What? Your future what? <laughs> My future best friend, oh. Kemba Walker. Because that's not what you were going to say. <laughs> My future best friend, Kemba Walker. Oh, my God. You don't even know the tears I have shed. And I know, Gerard, that you have shed tears this week over Man. a different player. Oh, maybe. That's yeah, true. Maybe, maybe. Who I'm about to start maybe. this pod maybe, maybe. with. Mm -hmm. And that is your boy, MPJ, Michael Porter mm -hmm. Jr. The Denver Nuggets could be in trouble, guys, because Michael Porter Jr., is pretty much out for an indefinite period of time, a.k.a. the entire year, I'm assuming, and so mm -hmm. is everybody mm -hmm. else. Even a casual NBA fan is assuming that because he's undergoing back surgery. This is going to be his second back surgery uh, in, what, two years, Gerard? Mm -hmm. He went mm -hmm. um, underwent back surgery in 2018, mm -hmm. and he just signed that massive max deal, but we have to point out that that doesn't kick in until the next year. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. what do you make of this? 23 years old, that's what makes me nervous. Gerard is two back surgeries in such a short period of time and a young player like this who's still necessarily growing per oh, se. Oh yeah, yeah. So that's yeah. that's the challenge, right? When Denver selected him, this was always the thing. The medical records were what they were. Uh and I believe a GM was quoted and said, knew. right? Michael Porter Jr. has the worst medical I've ever seen. Is is right? And that that's was why he dropped down, yes, right? In, correct. in the draft. Correct, because he was the number one player in that class coming out of high school. No back injury. He's likely the number one, number two pick, right? Um, but it was it the back scared off a lot of teams, but Denver had a long-term approach, right? And they said, you know what we're gonna do? We're gonna we, we trust that he's gonna be all right. And it's a it, we're picking for him, we're picking him at 18. So it's mm -hmm. it's all good for us. So it, it right, it was out of the lottery when he was selected. And so they said, okay, we're gonna give him a full year. Get the back surgery. He can heal, rest himself, get himself together. And Jenna, once he started playing, he played well for the Denver Nuggets, mm -hmm. an integral part of this team. <clears throat> Mind you, healthy Michael Porter Jr., the reigning MVP Nikola Jokic, and healthy Jamal Murray, many people thought, yo, this team could come out of the West. I mean, they got to the conference finals, right, a couple <laughs> years ago. But here's the situation. He played, and I talk about this all the time, Jenna, I'm going to bring it up again. We play parts of three NBA seasons in less than two calendar years. Now, that's a lot of basketball for a mostly healthy person. Imagine someone coming off a back injury. This is the most concentrated amount of basketball he has played in his entire life. Right? Yeah. And it's not, this ain't pickup ball with your friends at 24-hour fitness. This is NBA basketball. Right? So that's going to have a toll. And so, listen, of course, you know, I, I want the best for MPJ. I want him to come out, come back and be healthy. What Denver's going to have to do is have a plan going forward long term. And I think they have to revisit it. Even when he's fully recovered and everything, he plays no back-to-backs ever. Like, that's not a thing. You, like, no more back-to-backs. Cannot. 
because you have to protect this guy from not from himself, but from the rigors of an NBA season. Jen and I, I talk about it all the time. 82 games is too much basketball, way too much basketball in the amount of time that it's played. Even in a normal regular season, it's too much. And you add the playoffs in on top of that. He's got to play probably somewhere in the neighborhood of 59 to 60 games a season is about what he's doing, right? He's got to give two max efforts a week. Yeah, that sounds crazy to some of you, but that's the reality. If you want him to be the best version of himself when it matters the most, which is in the postseason. Absolutely. And what is so frustrating about Michael Porter Jr. is that he is so good. Like you said, he was slated to be the number one pick dropped in the draft class because of that injury history and medical history that he has. But what's so frustrating about it is he sat his first season recovering from that first back surgery, right? Then he comes back. And in a short period of time, he becomes one of the top young prospects in the league. And what, the last season he averaged 19 points. So you saying that, you know, no back-to-backs, playing roughly a limited season ever is it's it's upsetting you know what I mean because he's 23 I mean his potential and his growth instantly seems stunted and here's another thing that I was thinking about so we know right that uh MPJ and you know Denver have been looking for a Mm non-surgical treatment Mm -hmm. for Mm -hmm. this back injury this Mm -hmm. ailment um Mm -hmm that he's dealing with. So my assumption, which we don't know too much right now, but my assumption, if I'm trying to connect the dots is that it's so bad to the point where surgery is the only option. Well, that's the thing about backs, right? right? Yeah. Backs are a tricky thing. And everyone always tries to go the first, the first route, look for any injury. It's, can we recover this without surgery? Because surgery is always the last resort. You look at any surgeon like that's Right, unless it's something where like a broken and I have to go in there, that's they're usually trying to find other options beyond surgery. When you look at and surgery is the choice, it's like, look, because we have no other options to fix this, right? And again, they want him going, they want him being healthy. So that means again, that limited schedule. So guess what? If you're only gonna play 58, 59 games a season, that may mean you're not making any all-star teams or all NBAs or whatever. That just may be the short-term price you pay to be able to have longer term success. Because again, at this age and with backs and backs, and this is not of the back of a normal person, right? Like unfortunately, you're six foot ten. Like, I mean, he's big people and large people. Like, you this is always a problematic thing when you operate on their body because they're already outside the parameters of a normal human being, size-wise, right? So there's so many things to keep in mind with that. And you know, for Denver, it's tough, man, because now no Murray, he's not back till second half of the year. Porter Jr. out for the season. Jokic came back last game, but I mean, look, and Jokic can do his thing and they can be a playoff team for sure. Cause he's the MVP, but I mean, they're not good enough to be a contender with just Jokic. No, not now. Uh, because again, like you were saying that at one point people were saying, Hey, they're going to come out of the West. Mm-hmm. I mean, this big three per se that they mm-hmm. started formulating mm-hmm. that chemistry. So Truly, oh, side note, um, mm. as we're recording this November 30th, LeBron James has entered health and safety protocols and is out tonight for the Sacramento Kings, the Lakers say. We'll, we'll, we'll get back to your boy, King James, in a second. Yeah. So anyway, <laughs> um, really quick before we move on, but like we were saying, that big three that started to formulate their very young big three, now that this has all happened with injury, you have Nikola Jokic kind of on this island by himself. What does this mean for him? I mean, at this point, you just I mean, said, look, you know, they're not going to contend at this point. What you're going to see is how valuable Jokic is, right? Because he's <laughs> going to put up MVP numbers again, and he's going to 
you know, bring this team to the postseason because he's that good. And that's the thing, right? They're going to end up being a worse team, probably record-wise, still make the playoffs, but that in any, that should be actually a more valuable season for him than last season, right? Like that, because because you're going to see him do it now for a, for basically an entire season. But you know, NBA awards and narratives, you know how that goes. Um, look, this is a lot of pressure on Jokic, obviously. And the other thing that's to keep in mind here, Jokic is due for a contract extension, and as an MVP, that means supermax money is coming. Um, are we 100 percent sure he's going to resign come 2023? Nope. Uh, right. So. With he's got to look at the situation and be like, all right, I love Denver. I love playing with these guys, all that. Jamal Murray, I got to see what it looks like coming back. The Michael Porter back injury is a big deal because that is he is the number that's that's our number three, right? It's me, it's Murray, and it's and it's, it's MPJ. That's our big three. And if MPJ <laughs> ain't that, and they're already locked into that money, Yoke just got to be like, as much as I love Denver, where can I go to? potentially win championships now i'm not saying it's going to happen people in denver don't get mad don't be coming in here flooding mentions whatever but if he doesn't sign the extension in 2022 in that offseason look out yeah look out that is a team altering culture altering future altering move so with that being said he'll have a choice to make there too and again we still have to find out a little bit more about Jokic. he's very calm very quiet very timid i'm still curious to see if he's a He's a Dame Willard type guy, like, you know, blood, sweat, and tears in Portland, or if he's, you know, more of a little hopper, but we won't name names. So let's move on. (laughs) Had to do it. Had to do it. Anyway, uh, let's talk about the Brooklyn Nets, your Brooklyn Nets. I see that because again, you wildin'. <laughs> I was about to clear it up because I knew you were going to come for me, but you didn't let me. That's how well I know you. Okay? Yo, wait, you didn't why did I let me rectify the situation? <laughs> I say that because I like to remind <laughs> any new listeners that Gerard is a beat reporter for the Nets, and it's freaking awesome. Okay, yeah, just trying to give you some flowers true, out here true. in these streets. You know, they're very scarce these days. True, true. So. True. Anyway, sure, let's talk sure, about sure. these Thank you. I appreciate Nets. Should appreciate we say you. the Thank ailing you. Nets? What's going on Thank with them? You. I say I appreciate this because now we have it. Joe Harris out. <laughs> He's getting surgery on his ankle. He'll be out four to eight weeks. They're hoping potentially that he'll be back before then. But again, let's hit the pause button on him. He's out. We are still without Kyrie Irving in Brooklyn. And James Harden, I say his name because he had some interesting comments uh, after their loss to Phoenix the other night. We're always used to Harden running a team, right? He ran the Rockets, ran the offense. It was always his game. Again, small ball game. We don't really do that many other places, but still. So he was saying after the loss that he's, quote, still trying to figure things out in terms of himself running the offense, in terms of being a playmaker and things like that. Pretty much everything that his game has to do in Brooklyn. Again, he's still adjusting, very premature there. But talk to me about these nets because should we be worried at this point? I mean, again, it's really, in my opinion, Kevin Durant standing on an island by himself. Again, you said it a couple episodes ago. He is not the issue in Brooklyn. Look, this Brooklyn Nets team has a problem, okay? They are designed to work when they have three elite offensive machines in Kevin Durant, James Harden, and Kyrie Irving. 
they are what we call force multipliers. When those three are operating at the peak of their powers, it elevates Joe Harris, Bruce Brown, Nicholas Claxton, uh, DeAndre Bembry, Patty Mills, all these secondary and tertiary type of players, their game is lifted because of the greatness of those three. That's how this roster is designed to function. When you only have one of those players, of those three, operating at an all-NBA supernova level, and the other one who's on the floor, I mean, let's be 100% honest right now. James Harden is not even playing like an NBA all-star. He's playing barely, you know what he's playing like? A league average starter. That's not good, right? Like, a league average starter does not amplify or force multiply anybody else, right? And so now, Kevin Durant is the lone force multiplier. That's not enough to be a contender. And that's the number one seed in the East. Got the best record in the Eastern Conference, doing what they got to do. But the reason why they're not able to be elite against excellent teams is, again, because there's not enough force multiplying on the floor. So when the Warriors and Suns are like, oh, we don't got to worry about James Harden. <laughs> Only person we got to cover is Kevin Durant. They put a box in one on him, triangle in two. They're like, because the rest of these four dudes, they ain't doing shit. And sure enough, they were not. You can't do that when you have James Harden operating at all NBA level and Kyrie Irving operating. Now it's like, oh shit, we got problems, right? Like we gotta, we can't double anybody. We gotta prey on single coverage, which now means, guess what? Joe Harris, Patty Mills, all those secondary and tertiary guys, what are they doing? Getting wide open shots, free runs to the lane, doing whatever. They don't have that now. And so they are not good enough as currently constructed to win an NBA championship. And it's not about the foul calls and all that. Because if you look at James Harden's last 10 games, the free throw numbers are up. And if you look at his average free throw attempts this season and last season, they're essentially identical. So it ain't the free throws, okay? He is playing bad basketball, really bad basketball. And that leads me to wonder, you know, we have a group chat with the guys and shout out to Dexter, who's who's producing for us today. I said, there is something going on with him outside of basketball because this is just bizarre. Like he looks like he's making grade school that. level mistakes <clears throat> like that third graders make dribbling the ball off his foot. Okay. Like, I'm like, what are you okay, doing? Yeah. You just Something is going question, on with this man question, away from was, basketball. You know, and it is affecting the team. What do you think it is? Um, and, you know, whether if it's mental, um, if there is something personal, serious, anything aside from that, if it has anything to do with his game, do you think it is something in terms of adjusting to a new coaching style, a new team, a new off offensive rotation, a new role in a team, like moving away from the small ball aspect? What do you think that it could be basketball wise if it is nothing outside of that realm? Mm. That's the thing, Jenna, nothing, because this is a guy who has been a former league MVP, finished top two multiple times. He didn't all of a sudden wake up and forget how to play basketball. Like they, they the players say this to us all the time in media sessions. When we ask them, oh, we're you're like, funny. yo, guys, at the end of the day, it's basketball. It's simple. Yeah? Is it so simple, my guy? Why are you making it look so hard then? Right? If it's like so that's the thing. He he didn't forget, right? He knows how to play ball. Last year. He when he was playing last season, he was playing at an all NBA level, right? That's the kind of ball he was playing. 
The reason why he didn't make all NBA is because of the way he was punished for the way he left Houston. But he was playing all NBA level basketball last year. So somehow between last season and this season, you forgot? No, that ain't it. Something else is going on. Whether it be the first step is not there, the explosion, whatever it is. And I've said this before and I'll say it again. James Harden is not uh, what we would call a gym rat. From uh, Let me rephrase that. A workout rat, right? From a weights and a body conditioning rat. That's not, yeah, he's a pickup rat. Like, he'll do that. He'll play pickup till the cows come home. But in terms of physically sculpting his body, he don't live in that part of the gym. And we all know this. As you age, no, man, you can't be doing them things that you used to do when you were 22, 23, 24. Mm-mm. Body's not sculpted that way, right? And so, you know, the hamstrings were an issue. I think they're fine now. It's it's 20 games, right? And I always say the quarter century, the quarter uh, season mark, that's when trends emerge, right? This is, I mean, he's shooting like 30% from three. That is abysmal. He's not a, he's not a 40% three-point shooter, but he ain't a 30% either. He's more of a 36, 37, right? Above yep. league average. Stupid mistakes. He's not doing um, that. Turnovers. Turnovers. And super high. Yeah, I was looking at the box I mean, we, score the other night. We're seeing uh, it. I think we're it was against it. the Suns. And he played 40 minutes and had 12 points. He's supposed to be an offensive savant. Like, you know what I mean? 12 points. And again, people will be like, oh, well, he had 13 assists and 14 rebounds. I get it. But that's not part of James Harden. We know James points. Harden for being an offensive kryptonite for teams. So, yeah, I mean, it's off at that point. It's just off in so many ways that, you know, I can't pinpoint exactly what it could be at this point. So, again, they're they're struggling and at some point you have to say how much pressure are we going to put on Kevin Durant again I get it he's Kevin Durant he is up there with the LeBron James's Michael Jordans of the world they could do everything and save your team well yeah, that's okay thing, Jenna. but yeah. the man's coming off an Achilles too like let's give him some grace there a little bit yes he's not acting and playing like he has come off one but still we still have to keep these things in the back of our mind when it comes to actual medical uh history so yeah, I mean, it just worries me. How much do you want the man to carry your team? And how much is he going to take mentally? Mm-hmm. Well, that's the point, right? Is that you want Kevin Durant at his freshest in April, May, and June. Well, if you gotta mm-hmm. if you gotta drag this team and he's already playing th- averaging 36 minutes a night, already too much in the regular season. Already, right? This is Again, your goal is to be the last team standing in June. Well, if you have to struggle this hard to be this good in November and December, that doesn't bode well for later in the season, right? So they're going to need a lot. And let's also be frank about something. The New York City vaccine mandates are not being lifted. So unless Kyrie, for some reason, has some major change of stance, which highly unlikely, this team is not going to have Kyrie Irving this year. So that means their margin for error is literally zero. If James Harden, again, and I'll say it very clean, clean, plainly and clearly. Couldn't agree If James more Harden there. is not and playing at an MVP all-NBA level, too, this team in the will Kyrie not Irving win an situation, MVP. Which I won't get into it, but you could argue this could be the best and only shot, the only best shot that the Nets have at getting a title this year. So... Kyrie, when you're 
They're not getting yeah. younger as yeah. a team. So their big three isn't young. They're not in their 20s. Things, they're I all mean, in their 30s. Some would argue Every that. year you get know. older, you have less of it's a chance. It's a dicey situation, but they seem to be in a small deal of trouble. I'll say small right now because it's not great, and it's early on. So we shall see. We shall see. I feel like all we're talking about is injuries, and that seems to be the trend because we're continuing with injuries as – You did. But Jenna, did. It's, it's what I talked about, right? Like parts of three seasons over 21 calendar months. That is absurd. That is, that is a lot of basketball. Like, do you know what like is hurting these guys? It's the job function that they do. Basketball is a high injury sport. The more you play it, the more chances you have of being injured. Because guess what? The more tired you are. Injuries always occur when you're tired because you're not... You're not doing things Heck in yeah, the manner you're supposed to, to do them from a function standpoint. This is what we're seeing right injuries. now. And, and getting the most into recent now, is Bogdan Bogdanovich, who, if you guys caught that game, he had to be helped off, off the floor in the second quarter of their loss to the Knicks on Saturday. And he will be out at least two weeks after an MRI, said that he has a right ankle sprain. And also in that game, Cam Reddish was hurt. He underwent an MRI as well, and he has a left wrist sprain. He's day-to-day, they say. But two key players, two young key players of this Atlanta Young core that are averaging respectively 11 and uh, 11 and 11, actually, um, near 12 points this season. So what does this mean for Trey Young and the load that he's going to have to take on in the absence of these two? And that is pending if these injuries heal properly. Yes. And and let's yes, also run that all, DeAndre Hunter's out. Say, they like, are so the this Atlanta Hawks team, which However, you and I loved the at the beginning of the, the season, Sixers what were you going to say? Near the Knicks. So, I mean, this can fluctuate so much. And remember, we do that play in. And the East, it's anyone's game in the East. So, this Atlanta team is fighting for a spot, per se. Again, early sure. on, but something to note. No doubt. Yeah. 20 games through, and I just mentioned DeAndre Hunter also out, right? So all that depth that we love mm-hmm. on Atlanta being tested now. Because it used to be, oh, we got we got Kevin Herter, we got Cam Reddish and DeAndre Hunter. Well, now you only have Kevin Herter, right? Like, those other two, and, and Bogdanovich is out too, right? Like, these this now tests your depth. So all that depth that looks incredible on paper is now like, well, it don't really matter now because they're all out. Um you got a Coro coming back from injury. There's so much that they're dealing with in Atlanta. And, you know, this Atlanta team, I talked about it before when they started the season and Trey saying, oh, you know, it's hard to get up for the regular season when you made the conference finals. It's like, yo, my guy, you, I think you're, you're seeing it now. You, This ain't no guarantee because you went to the conference finals last year. All right, we good. We're just going to show up. and We'll be back in the conference finals again this season. Right now, you're in 10th place, as you mentioned, a quarter of the way through the season. yes. Injuries, and if they get everybody back, they can go on a run. But the quarter mark and where you are record-wise, barring something mm-hmm. major happening, is usually around where you're going to finish in the standings, right? Like, give or take a spot or two, right? That's about where you're going to end up. And so, you know, it, it, we're seeing injuries more than anything define what's going on yes. here. And, you know, it's a little cross-show promotion here. I will be on the NBA Exchange tomorrow with our good friend Dexter Henry, who's producing this show, talking about dynasties and title windows and how, you know, man, you think your title window is going to be open for 
five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten years. Uh, listen, you're always one injury away from up. Oh, there goes your window, right? Like, so it's it's always about the now. Like, if we have a chance now, you best be going all in because you have no idea what's going to happen a week, a month, whatever from now. And it's it's tough to blow for Atlanta right now. So mm-hmm. Trey's going to have to really put a lot on his shoulders. And guess what? All the opposing teams know. Oh, Trey, all we can do is worry about him. Yeah, we'll Box see and one. again. Triangle and two. Atlanta's right? not the only two team battling to force injury other right guys now. to so beat him. We'll see how we're that goes. We're gonna have to talk about the Grizzlies because they are also battling injury. I'm talking their star, the face of the franchise, in Ja Moran out indefinitely right now with a mm. lefty sprain that he suffered in the first quarter of their loss against the Hawks. Ironically, I speak of the devil. Um, but yeah, he avoided significant injury. Um, they say, but in Memphis, but that was a really scary to see go down, especially, you know, to John Moran. I mean, that is the face of the Grizzlies at this point. So again, I say this because he'll be out for at least a couple weeks, they say. So what does this mean for your guy, Triple J? Well, look, you know, it's it's tough break for the Grizzlies right now. And obviously, you know, they were they are the league's worst defense right now. 30th in defense in the entire NBA. They're playing terrible on that side of the ball. Offensively is what's keeping them in the game. But offensively was Jaron Jackson, I'm sorry, John Morant being the hub. Now it's going to be Desmond Bain. It's going to be Jaron Jackson Jr. It's going to be Dylan Brooks. It's going to be all these other guys having to step up and shoulder that load. And Triple J was the third pick in the draft for a reason right it is you're gonna he's gonna have to step his game up and he's been doing some things differently to show that he's that he's ready to sort of like make that next step up to to really show all right i can be a cornerstone of this franchise too along with john Morant. so yeah this is going to be time for triple j to shine essentially and see if he can hold down the fort and take on a lot of the scoring load uh with um with john Morant being out but it's tough and you know I had the Grizzlies no, it's not. as a team that's going to get solidly in the playoffs this year. Trudge along that here, but last again, year, similar situation as in sure. Atlanta. So all these young teams, hopefully these guys can bounce back because it's not like they're the Lakers uh, getting hurt. No, I'm kidding. 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 I'm just wearing a Knicks hat today, so I think I might be brainwashed. <laughs> Listen, Jenna, Jenna, can we just, just real, real quick about your Lakers? Like, come on. It's a rat. Like, they look, lost like, to I mean, the freaking Kings. I mean, let's be real about it. In double overtime. They're 500. Like, are, they, are they even 500 or are they I'm a game below 500? at this point. Listen, they're Probably either. Listen, listen. They, yo. Listen. It, 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 it may be a wrap on your boy, LBJ. Right. That's all I'm saying. It, it, let's it, just, that, let's it just stay in the West this, because. This may be it. On a lighter note, Steph Curry's cooking everybody. <laughs> and it's not even funny. It. it Amazes me that he's in multiple primes at this point. Per you could say, um, I think it's safe enough to say. I mean, he went off the other night after he got a technical for, and that should have been a foul. Do you, did you catch that game? Clear foul, Terrence Mann. Of course. Oh yeah, that, that, I watched that Warriors, Warriors Clippers game. Clear a yeah, clear foul. That was the maddest we've seen him since he got tossed in 2016 for throwing his mouthpiece in, in game six of the finals, <laughs> right? Like that was the the angriest we've ever seen him. And it's like, poor Clippers, right? Like they didn't do nothing. 
But the ref teed him up, so he's like, I'm going to take it out on the Clippers now. Like, the man literally <laughs> said, all right, cool, I'm going to F you. I'm going to go on my own personal 9 run. Teed him up right there. He knocked down, out, what, the ref three triples in a row. After, I mean, after that. He, I mean, was, he cooked in the fourth quarter there. So, you know. good for Steph. I mean, he said in a recent uh, article here to Yahoo Sports, he said that – it was the bubble that really, it was his lowest point. It kind of broke him down and made him see what was kind of essentially happening around him. I mean, the Warriors haven't, hadn't made the playoffs at that point in a minute and they were used to being the dynasty that dominated, but that wasn't the case. So basically kind of got a taste of what these dumpster fires have been tasting these days. And, uh, yeah, said that. What do you think of that? What do you make of that? I mean, he's obviously channeling it and using it to <laughs> lead, I mean, the Warriors to what? They have the best record in the West. 16 and 2? 18 and 2. Yeah, so here's what I, at, at 18 and 2, here, here's what I'm saying. Uh, the Warriors somehow have managed to move themselves from the favorites and the dynasty and the talk of the league to somehow this year, the underdog chip on our shoulder, nobody believes in us team. It's a, quite a miraculous way they were able to spin that. And you can see it in Steph and in Draymond. They're not letting anything slide, literally nothing. They're taking everything personally. And, oh, they're already good in champions. Like, and now they're acting like, we never did it before. God help the rest of the league. And they're doing, and Clay isn't even back yet. Like, it's just, it's problematic right now. And yeah, Steph is entering another prime. I mean, if you look at his body physically, he's just bigger and stronger than he was. In tw- Listen, he, he's bigger and stronger than he was in those back-to-back MVP seasons. Just take two pictures side by side and put them next to each other. Physically bigger and stronger. He is competing and playing defense in a way he has never before. And his defense has always been underrated. But, uh, uh, you know, he's not like, I'm not saying he's like an all-defensive guy, but he is like, I mean, it's six steals the other night, okay? Like, he, he just, he's such a competitor. And I think the whole baby face and all that shit the media likes to do about him and like all that stuff, like, this dude is a fucking killer, okay? Like a stone cold killer. When he hit that crazy behind the back pass against the Clippers uh, for that for that lay in, he came running back down the court and said to two guys in in uh, Kawhi jerseys, "I'm a bad man," and he 100% is, and he's at the peak of his powers right now. And the Warriors might have the MVP, the DPOI, and Coach of the Year all in the same roster. We're only 20 games in, and look, in the Western Conference, I said this last week, Jenna. Besides Phoenix, and we're going to get to that matchup in a bit, and potentially Utah, who are you worried about if you're the Warriors in the Western Conference? Dallas? The Lakers? The Clippers? The Grizzlies? I mean, none of those teams striking fear into, into any anybody's hearts, right? And the Warriors, if they continue this, will have home court advantage, right? So I just... They're at a level right now, Jenna, that is dangerous for the rest of the league. And it is led by their MVP, Steph Curry, who, again, he he is, he's already one of the all-time greats. But I think the thing about it is, is that he's still playing like that chip on his shoulder guy from Davidson. He was telling you too small. 
even with all the success that he's had, he's still playing with that mindset. And I mean, he's, he's so much smarter at the game. Now he's so much more nuanced and knows all right. He knows every single intricacy and detail. It's, it's tough. It's tough. And again, for the timing of everything in the West and what the Warriors are doing right now, sheesh. Look out, educate look himself, out and NBA. I don't mean that in an insulting way, but really, when did he really have the time to sit down and hone in on the mental aspect and kind of exercise himself in that type of way? You know what I mean? Because I feel like it was always on it, on it, on it for Steph and the Warriors because they were this dynasty that had high expectations. They were winning championships. They were playing longer seasons. So that time shift and having it time to really grow mentally, I can't imagine what that did for him in that aspect. And I'm... Mm-hmm. The, the, the other piece of that, Jenna, is... Remember I said about the injuries, right? So parts of three seasons over 21 calendar months. Well, guess what team played the least amount of basketball over those 21 calendar months? That's right, the Golden State Warriors. So after seven seasons of going to the finals and playing into late June and getting tired, Steph and those guys had literally two postseasons off. Now, that stoked the competitiveness in him. And like he said it, I miss being on that stage, miss competing, all that. But you know who didn't miss it? His body, because it got to heal and recover. There's no, there's no wonder they're playing the freshest of any team in the league and they're out to such a huge Huge early run on, on the league's best record because of, again, those those two seasons of no playoffs. That was huge. And again, not only that, and Steph missing essentially that entire season with the with the with the wrist. The the amount of rest and what that means. I cannot stress to people enough. And I don't think, again, the casual fan doesn't understand how much rest and recovery plays a factor in your ability to be able to perform at peak level when it matters most. Like it's just, it's science and having those two. So huge. Off, and we have to say that Clay that Thompson Steph, and oh James God. Wiseman were just huge. assigned to huge. the G league. So they're working their way back. So that's looking good. And again, let's just remember that the warriors are doing this without mm-hmm. those mm-hmm. two very, 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 very good basketball players. Uh, one being Clay Thompson one of the best shooters that we've ever seen. So, yeah. Kudos to the Warriors, though. I love what I'm seeing. And what do you make of tonight's game as we record this on November 30th mm-hmm. against the Suns? Mm-hmm. What do you want to see? Yeah, so Titanic matchup. I'm looking forward to this for a couple of reasons because I said this last week, Jenna. There are only two teams potentially – that I think matchup wise in a post in a postseason series that could give the Warriors trouble. That being the Phoenix Suns. And if they're fully healthy, the LA Clippers. And that's because when the Warriors detonate and go into their small ball lineup, those two teams can match them. So tonight I want to see DeAndre Ayton on the floor when the Warriors go small. Because the Suns are one of the only teams in the league that when another team goes small, they don't take their big man off the floor. Now, Utah doesn't do it either, but because their perimeter defenders are weaker than the Suns, it forces Rudy to do way too much. you got to cover the paint and sprint out to three-point shooters, which, I mean, nobody can do that, right? But if DeAndre Ayton, in those minutes when they go small, if he and the Suns are holding their own, I so that's what I'm looking forward to see. 
I want to see, also want to see what happens when Mikel Bridges is alone on Steph on an island. They're like, we're not sending any help. We're not doubling. It's just you. I want to see what that looks like. And Devin Booker. I want to see what Book does in this matchup across from Steph. Because, you know, Book's got a lot of fuck you in his game, right? Like he, that's just, that's who he is, right? Like he, he's that dude. Like, and when he sees Steph doing this thing and bombing and shimmying and doing whatever, that's not Book's game, right? He's going to do a little bit differently. How is he going to take that on? Is he going to try to go mano y mano, or is he going to do and get his within the offense and see what's happening? And of course, it's always entertaining when Chris Paul and Steph Curry play because of their history, right? So what, what tricks is the wily old veteran Chris Paul going to do? You know, is he going to stick his butt out? Same. You know, all, all, the, all the fun things we enjoy Chris Paul I'm doing. I'm expecting like, Devin Booker to I, I'm, I'm excited for this matchup. I really, because, really Because, first of all, the Warriors have been on too much of a good streak. It needs to end. Like, I'm bored. So, but I expect Devin Booker to have a huge game because everyone is expecting him to. All eyes are on him. He's going to go head to head with <laughs> Steph Curry. And I think he's going to give him the business a little bit, um, other than Chris Paul, of course. But... I expect a big game out of him. I feel like everybody's underestimating him and really not. I feel like Devin Booker never gets enough credit for what he can do for a team offensively, um, playmaking wise, especially after being under CP3 and making that finals run. So again, I'm expecting a huge game out of him. I can't wait to see this matchup. I mean, we're looking at, you know, a deep playoff matchup here. So exactly. I mean, this this could be the Western Conference Finals, right? Like, if if the seedings hold out and they finish the year one two in whatever order, they would end up and they go through the the go through the playoffs as they as they should based on their record. This would be the Western Conference Finals, and this would be a hell of a matchup, Titanic. I just again, I think the X factor is the DeAndre Ayton minutes on both ends of the floor. Can he hold his own defensively, which I believe he can, when they go small? And can he punish? You and me both. I think it's going to be a tough physical end, game too, especially when they have no uh, you know that, under the basket there. Draymond Green, I think, is going to bring it. He knows the high magnitude of this matchup, so we we know he's going to bring a big one. Let's talk about some news and notes here because these aren't just any small tidbits. These are actually pretty significant, huge moves. So let's start with uh, you know my guys here, in New York, and because they have benched my guy, Bronx native. Kemba Walker just got here so quick to tear him down just as much as you built him up. Damn it. No, I'm kidding. But that is what some fans are doing. So be nice to my Kemba. But anyway, he's benched for Alec Burks, who went off the other night in a massive performance, 23 points in 39 minutes in a win over the Hawks. We're talking about the Hawks a lot today, but not in a good sense. So Burks shining, Kemba struggling. Talk to me about the benching of my guy, Kemba Walker. Look, he he's hurting them defensively. He's got the worst defensive estimated plus or minus of his entire career right now in 20 games. And what he's bringing offensively is not enough to mitigate what he's doing on defense. I mean, it's that simple. And when you play two small guards in him and Fournier in the backcourt, listen, Jenna, you know how I feel about small guards, right? Like this is, it's a problem. You get exposed on defense. And if the offense is not enough to mitigate that, what are we doing? The, the knee Kemba's had knee issues since he's been in Charlotte, right? Since he had that first lateral meniscus tear and it's been ongoing ever since this may be the end of the road for my guy, Kemba, like in terms of being an impact starting level NBA player, like that's just not in the cards anymore. 
And it's tough to say, and it's sad, but the NBA is littered. The NBA history is littered with small guards who, when it falls off, it falls off. And it's just bad, you know, and it's, and it's tough, but you know, Tibbs had to do what was right for the team. Like this team wants to play better. Um, it is unfortunate. And you're right. You do have a good, good point there. Um, so they about can at least defend a little bit better, but yeah, it's, I mean, it's, it's tough and it's unfortunate. I feel like uh, Damian Lillard. Yikes. I, <laughs> I mean, Kemba's 5'11 on, on a good day, right? Like, I mean. Big facts. It's, it's just, it's tough. It's tough. It's it hard is. for little guys. And I Listen, feel like you look giants. at Damian Lillard, the NBA and that is a land of hope, fucking giants. But it is very hard right when you're there. small. I mean, he's very, you know, very hard. Cemented in Portland. Right? True? And well, Damian, let's move and on. We got to talk about another right thing now. here. And so are the Blazers, right? Uh, not so, so much on his on the court play, but off the court. He changed his last name to Freedom. What do you. What are your thoughts about this? And, and this comes after he's been in the media for <laughs> a number of issues that he continues to stand for, as freedom. well as him slamming slamming LeBron James, slamming Michael Jordan, two of the biggest names in the game. Um, a lot of people would, you know, kind of say that that is social suicide when it comes to basketball uh, yeah. popularity. Yeah. Yeah, so look, I, I want to be clear about something. Enos Cantor is an enemy of the state in his homeland of Turkey, right? Like the Turkey, Turkey with a, a dictatorial government regime with uh, Erdogan as its as its as its leader, and the human rights violations that goes on that go on in Turkey. He stands against all of that, and you know all the horrendous activity that goes on in China that he speaks out against. So I have no issue with his stances and what he's fighting for and, and what he is bringing attention to. What I do have a problem with, though, is that he is being a puppet and being used by people on the alt-right. I mean, look, he was on Tucker Carlson's show this week, right? Like, it, and, it's a, and the reason why he's on these shows is because he's attacking people like LeBron James, right? So it's the message. I get it, and I love what he's doing, but whom he is attacking Bad faith actors on the right are using that for their own gains, and therefore his message is being diluted, right? And that's the problem. Um, so again, I have no issue with what he is fighting for and standing, fighting against and standing up for. Um, but I do have a problem with the way it's being used by the alt right, and that's because his it, message are, is being co opted. And these are sorry, these are bold that. issues. Um, so you know, it is to be taken serious and not lightly. Um, you're on mute. And again, <laughs> I don't want to stumble over any type of misdirection, seeing as I really don't care um, to cover it as much as you know. It gets a little dicey, you know. You, you know, you already got the people in your mentions about basketball. <laughs> I don't need any more issues clouding my mentions. <laughs> so let let's stick with the game here and talk about the magic. I mean, not that there is much going on with the magic, but just another blow that is not good for them. Jalen Suggs, the mm. number five overall pick mm -hmm. in the NBA draft here, rookie out indefinitely after suffering a fractured thumb and a loss against the Sixers. I mean, what is there else to say about the magic? <laughs> I mean, nothing. They're a dumpster fire. We know that. And this is unfortunate for Jalen Suggs, right? Like, uh, you know, there's so many organizations out there that I feel like if you get drafted into as a young player, I'm like, damn, I don't know if that's going to work out for you, man. Sacramento's one of them. 
Orlando's another one, right? It's just like, I just don't know what's going to happen to you when you get to these places. And it's a shame because, you know, we wanted to see Jalen sort of like develop and do his thing. Cole Anthony's playing well down there. Question is, right? Do they keep Cole Anthony? Do they do Completely move tough, him, right? Hopefully he you got Jalen Suggs. from that. I mean, you know, so we think to watch it's there, something small like a thumb, but it's no, it's no joke when it comes to your hands, when you got to handle the basketball. So, uh, Speedy recovery for him, that rookie there. A lot of promise, uh, just mm-hmm. not seeing a lot of him because the magic are the magic Correct. at the moment. Uh, let's move on because John Wall may have a future in Houston after mm-hmm. a rocky relationship. Correct. They were gonna, they have agreed on both sides to let him sit out until they found a trade destination for him. Um, but now he has kind of come around and turned a corner per se, uh, telling them that he is he may be willing to play. They had a meeting, but the status is still up in the air. What do you make of this? What do you predict? Do you know anything? Um, Because he obviously, we know that he doesn't want to accept anything less than a starting point guard job. But now he's also being rumored that the Knicks are looking at him. Hence, Kemba struggling. So what's going on? So (laughs) it's it's a couple of different things. One, John Wall's contract is massive, right? And he is, Dexter says, no, he does not want John Wall in, in New York. Um, that, that massive contract with a player option that he will, in fact, exercise next season. And the amount of money that is, he currently does not play up to that level, okay? That is, that is the, the situation right now. But John Wall's healthy and can play. But the Rockets want to be terrible and lose, all right, you put John Wall on the floor, he may not be all-star level John Wall, but he'll help them win games. And they don't want to win games right now. They want to be terrible. because They want to get in that lottery and get more young players under team-friendly deals. And John Wall does not want to move off of and take any less or a buyout, right? So this is the, this is the, the struggle that, that they're coming to, right? Is that they both want to hold firm with where they are. John wants to play, but he's not going to take any less money or a buyout unless you find the trade partner. And they've been unable to because of the size of that contract. So, and uh, Raphael Stone, who's the GM now, studied under the legendary Daryl Morey, whom we know will not move off of any deal unless he feels as though he is winning the transaction. So it's just simply transactional right now. And so we'll yeah, see what I they do. I don't even know what to but say about this barring one. Barring anything interesting. major I mean, I think maybe he's side having side a little bit of FOMO. I don't know where and, this goes. Uh, Wants to play, yeah, exactly. So again, I mean, he looks like he's been up in the gym. Hopefully, he well, can. Well, he wants to play. I mean, he's healthy and wants to play. Because I mean, there's no way John Wall could be done. You know, I mean, it's John Wall. I mean, again, Dun- Dunn's a relative term, right? Done in terms of what is he? Is he an all-star level player? Probably not. Can he be a starting level? Uh, you know, true, player, exactly. Off the bench so, energy and that's what hurts a lot of guys sometimes, right? Uh, only but again, accepting that what one role is he going hey, to? That's accept. another pod for another time. Let's talk about the new addition to the Bucks, four-time All-Star Demarcus Cousins. He signed a one-year deal and could be ready to play for Milwaukee as soon as Wednesday uh, this week, guys. This is huge news because let's not forget the Bucks are being ignored because there's so much going on in the association, but they are the reigning champs. Uh, they have Giannis Antetokounmpo. Uh, uh, Drew Holiday and Middleton and this big three that have driven Milwaukee to success. So talk to me about the addition in DeMarcus Cousins, just another big man to add physicality down there under the basket. 
and really help this team hopefully run it back. Well, so what yeah, they're like worried about like there is Brooke Lopez, right, who's been suffering with injury and he hasn't played a bunch of games this season. So that's like Brooke Lopez insurance, right? Can can DeMarcus grab rebounds and can he, you know, can he do the things that Brooke Lopez did? That's that's what they have him there for. Um, you know, Boogie, of course, has not been the same since the injuries and it's tough. Um, but look, the Bucks, winners of seven or eight in a row, like they're coming. Like pay attention. They they are coming. And, you know, no one's thinking about that. Everybody's kind of like, oh, whatever. This team did win the NBA title last year. So do not be surprised if the Bucks, you know, continue on this lengthy winning streak here. Look, this is all it is for them is good insurance. And, oh, for there Brooke I am. Lopez, who, you know, we'll see where Cousins, he is uh, 31 years old. So, again, even uh, Coach Bud said, you know, he's here to help us win. So <laughs> they're in win now mode. They want to run it back. And, he says he's at peace and he's happy and excited to be in Milwaukee. Maybe it'll bring a sense of calmness, you know, you know, um, just because I feel like, you know, things haven't worked out for him. Again, like you said, he isn't the same since the injury. I mean, that's we'll a see. pure sign of the Achilles <laughs> just really tackling people in different ways. Yeah. Achilles quad. I mean, yeah, it's just it's it's rough. And Demarcus is a it big is. guy. It is. Hopefully, like not, maybe know, he'll get that he's a, ring. He's a big so man, we shall a very see. large human. But I mean, so a lot of injuries, it, it, Gerard, in the association. A lot of good competition, but a lot of injuries that are not good. And like we mentioned before, LeBron James just entered health and safety protocols. Yeah. So, mm -hmm. yeah. I mean, supposedly he's vaccinated, so it shouldn't be too long in health and safety protocol. But, you know, this is just more bad news for the Lakers who, let's be real, like this is like as presently constituted just, and the way they're playing, this is this is barely a playoff it, team, damn it, damn it. much less a contender. We're not going to panic yet, right, guys? We still have until after Christmas before Gerard gets <laughs> nasty. So until then, I'm going to wear this Knicks hat until we start losing. They get to swap it for somebody else when I jump on their bandwagon. <laughs> <laughs> there you go fair weather folks but as always thank you for tuning in to seven Butters podcast hey we are part of the props network now so make sure you get on over to that props network and you're subscribing to all the great shows on there we are on apple podcast spotify youtube stitcher soundcloud all that stuff at seven Butters pod Peace. on twitter at seven Butters podcast on instagram at js hector at gentleman Selly. and until next time peace Spent a couple years out here with these raps Trying to have a plan that we may come true Plotted some jobs but I ain't hit back I don't want to trap what some man gon' do Chevy told me come through to the spot Got a little kickback, bring the whole crew Right around 10 came dressed in the nines You already know what we really finna do When we pull up on the scene, pull up on the scene Pull up on the scene, yeah we pull up on the scene See my life is a movie